This song comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. We're talking about the helmet of salvation. And tonight I'm going to give you some understanding of the helmet that is just going to blow your mind. And why we have victory and why we can have confident assurance in our walk with Christ. And these, these words, as the last song and even the first song, articulate so well the fact that if we will abide in the helmet, you will overcome so many difficulties very simply by just being strapped in. He became sin who knew no sin that we might become His righteousness. He humbled Himself and carried the cross. Love so amazing. Love so amazing. Okay, let's sing this verse again. Once again, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 is where this song comes from. He became sin who knew no sin that we might become His righteousness. He humbled Himself and carried the cross. Love so amazing. Love so amazing. Jesus Messiah. Ransom from heaven. 
heaven Jesus Messiah Lord of all Let's all lift our hands at evening, would you please? My hope is in you All my hope is in you All the glory to you, God The light of the world All my hope is in you All my hope is in you Blessed Redeemer. Emmanuel. His righteousness. Lord, you said us by grace we are saved through faith. And that not of ourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works. God, there's nothing we can do to earn salvation. There's nothing we can do. It's all been done. And because of what you have done, God, now we are able to do the works that you foreordained us to do and to walk in and to live in, a righteous life. God, we thank you, Lord, tonight. God, for that great grace, your power at operation in our lives that enabled us with this great ability to live for you. Father, we thank you for it in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, Amen. Well, a sweet presence of the Lord in this place tonight. If you don't have notes, and uh, I, we got some new folks here tonight, and, and uh, we give notes for all the things that we teach in this church. And so if you don't have notes, lift your hand up. Okay. Yeah, I think we have some back on the back. Ken, could you look at that table right across from you? Is there some notes over there? Okay, so they're gone. Okay, so I'm sorry. Oh, okay. So you go. You go grab some. I don't know if I put it on there. I'm gonna. I'm gonna take yours if it's okay, Bobby. Share with Elijah for just a second. That's okay. I'll take. I'll take it back here. 
There you go, Jim and Susie. Hello, good to see you. Susie, right? Okay. And uh, we'll get some more notes. We'll have them out here. Thank you for sharing that with me. I already already saw Bobby's a guy like me. He found a typo. Was that a typo you had circled? Oh, somebody else had it. Ah. So if you find typos in my notes, folks, we try diligently to never have typos. But every once in a while, Maybe more than once in a while, Catherine. Maybe okay. No, well, it'll be for a couple of weeks. Uh huh. Okay, so we're going to start in your notes. You're going to be in your notes, and we are starting at uh, Roman numeral one. Uh, last week we were kind of laying the foundation for this for the helmet of salvation. Talked about a lot of things. I've got a lot of scripture, and yes, I've got a lot of scripture that's not in your notes. So you have to write these down. Folks, as I've shared for many, many years, and you all, you come to the Bible study, you know that the word of Tim Masters is about that much worth. God's word is all worth. Okay? And the only reason my word's worth is because I've earned trust and I've earned your your respect and so on. But my word is dwarfed by God's word. God's word is the only absolute in this church. Your pastor's word is not the only absolute. Matter of fact, if all y'all listen to some of my words, you might be talking funny. Okay. Huh? Uh, maybe I shouldn't have heard that. I'm not. Uh, I don't want to repeat. Okay. So uh, I, I want to get some scripture out. Uh, Mr. Gerhardt, First uh, Thessalonians 5, 8, and 9. Okay, I want to go back. Uh, Sarah McCabe, Genesis 6, 5 through 6. Okay, uh, Bill, Bill Weiss, 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 6. Um. Uh, Chris, Ephesians 6, 10 through 12. Uh, Leslie, Psalm 119, 81. And then uh, Bethy, or Beth, Isaiah 40, 28 through 31. Now, we'll just start with that, but I have several other scriptures that I'm going to give to you here in just a moment that will uh, actually get ahead of some of those passages. And so we want to talk about this. Last week, we talked about the helmet of our salvation and what it really means, that it's not just some kind of ethereal, uh, ethereal instrument. It's not, you know, necessarily a a literal helmet, though in every, every capacity of its usage, it, it, is, it is one of the you know, most critical pieces. I, I said that every piece of the armor is critical in its own right, but it's interesting, the very first thing you put on is truth, the belt of truth. When you go through, when you go through Ephesians 6, the very first thing you put on is the belt of truth. 
Now, we talked about this many times that it kind of sounds strange. How do I put my belt on before I put my pants on? How do I put my belt on before I put all these other? The concept is truth is the only thing that holds your life together. Are you with me? And when I say truth, I'm talking about absolute truth. And there's only one absolute truth on this planet, and it's God's Word. The only absolute truth. There's not a single book on, in the... I don't, I don't care. You got the greatest book ever written off of this book. No. This is absolute. I have people all the time. You know, remember the bumper sticker? Some of y'all from the 70s, back there during the Jesus movement. You know, we had this bumper sticker, all of us. Now, now y'all have to tell your ages, okay? But we had this bumper sticker that said, God said it, I believe it, that settles it. Well, I, years ago, I, I decided I'm going to redo that bumper sticker. Now, I didn't make a bumper sticker, but I thought I'd redo it. And what it should say is, God said it, that settles it. It don't matter you believe it or not. God said it, that settles it. Okay, so I'm saying this because if you don't have absolute truth, I'm sorry, if you don't have the absolute truth, how do you know what I'm preaching as your pastor? It lines up with this. If it doesn't line up with this, I'm having a pizza day. It's everything's coming up, but what should come up? Are you with me? Absolute truth. Everything has to line up with God's Word. When you're listening to a preacher on the radio, you're listening to a preacher on TV, you're listening to something, and they say, I got a new revelation. Man, when somebody tells me they got a new revelation, my, my ears go up. Why? Because the Bible says there's nothing new. Okay? Absolute truth. Truth based on God's Word, holds your whole life together. And listen to me, we have in our, in our uh, uh, room, one of the rooms out there, we have a picture of a Bible that is just, is just old dog-eared and all just torn up and just this. And the, the caption of this says, a Bible that is falling apart belongs to a life that's not. A Bible that's falling apart belongs to a life that's not. Okay, so it all starts with the belt of truth, truth. The last piece of the armor they put on, the helmet. It is the only defensive parts. You have no defense. That's why the Bible says, don't hold vengeance. Vengeance is mine. I will repay. That's why God says, don't hold unforgiveness. I forgave you, you forgive them. That's why God tells us over and over and over that is His way. It's the way we do things is His way. Okay? And so the belt goes on first, the helmet goes on last because it covers everything. It covers everything. Thoughts, reasonings, rationales, understandings, dedications, decisions, everything abides 
under this helmet. And what is this helmet connected to? Truth. Okay? We have some notes. If you need notes, lift your hand up high. All over. So let's talk about this just for a second as we get into this. The belt is the first piece of the armor. The helmet is the last piece of the armor. While you're passing out notes, if you're watching on Facebook, on YouTube, we appreciate you joining us tonight. We, we thank you uh, very much so. And we love you to check in and just let us know where you're at. And we've got people that check in from literally all over the world. And we'd love you to check in and let us know. And we're getting, hopefully, not too long from now, we'll be able to answer questions. If you have questions on uh, YouTube, on Facebook, that you can write to us, uh, we'll try very uh, diligently to do that. But welcome. Uh, we appreciate you being here. And everybody that's here tonight, we appreciate you being here. Okay? So talk to me about this helmet. Before we get into any scripture, before we start reading, talk to me about this helmet. Do you see the how it's in it's unparalleled in necessity? Can you see how it could be in that capacity? Emil? Okay, the sword of the spirit comes after the helmet. And it's interesting when you read about the sword of the spirit. It is immediately attached to the helmet. Now think about that for a second because we're going to get into this, the uh, understanding of what this, this implement's all about. But it says, put on the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit. Almost like they're inseparable. Okay? The sword and the lance are the only offensive instruments. Everything else is defensive. You cannot defend yourself without absolute truth. And without that absolute truth being the motor, the engine, the the drive, you might as well throw the helmet away. So let's talk about it. 1 Thessalonians 5 Eight through nine. Where, where's our microphone and stuff? Who's doing that? Chris? Right up here in front. I need you to lift your hand up when you have the scripture that we called for, okay? But let us who live in the light be clear-headed, protected by the armor of faith and love, and wearing as our helmet the confidence of our salvation. For God chose to save us through our Lord Jesus Christ, not to pour out his anger on us. Okay. Which version are you reading? NLT. Okay. The New Living Translation, great translation, is one of the better ones that are out today. Uh, what I want to do, let me read it to you out of, the, out of the New King James or the King James Version. And basically they took the these and thous. But I want, you, I want to listen to it in correlation with what David just read. But let us who are of the day be sober. His translation said, we that are children of the light. Is that correct? Correct. Okay. Children of the light. What does that mean? Does that just mean we're daytime people? Does that mean we're just 
out in the, in the morning and sleeping at nighttime? Is that what that means? What does it talk about when it says we're children of the day or we're children of the light? What's that mean? I'm sorry? Jesus is the light. Okay, so that mean am I carrying a, a Jesus candle? I mean, I used to have one when I, was, when I was young. I was raised in a religion that we had candles. We had all kinds of, of different things that we used. Does that mean I just have a light and Jesus is my light? Is that what that means? What's that mean? Sorry? Jesus within you. Okay, so let me take you over to the book of Matthew. If Jesus is in me, where does he say that light should be? Hid under a basket or where should that light be? On a lampstand. On a lampstand? On a hillside? We are the light of the world? All of these are correct answers. So if we are the children of the light, the children of the day, does that mean the children of the darkness should know who we are just by our being around them? What happens when you bring light into darkness? Darkness flees. I've used the analogy before. Have you ever you ever opened your closet door? Now, if you don't have a light switch in there, did you know the last time it did? Pay attention. You know, when you opened your closet door, did you ever notice the darkness fell out into the room? Well, that's not what happens. What happens? Oh, the light illuminates the darkness. Is that what happens? You open that dark closet and all of a sudden it gets. So what happens when a children of the, when children of the day, children of the light show up in the dark world? What's supposed to happen? Darkness flees. And it's amazing how fast it flees. Okay. So let me put you on the spot and I'm going to cook it, go off it quickly. Does it? When you show up? Thank you. That's right. That is the correct answer. Okay? Now that's not a that's not a slap against anyone, but it is a it's a valid statement that too many uh, you know, a man said that the world has become so churchy and the church so worldly you can barely tell the two difference. Okay? Now we think that's something, oh that's the day we live. Do you know that statement was made hundred and fifty years ago? It's nothing new today, folks. It's just gradually getting worse. Okay, so he read, let's be those children of the day, be sober or be of a clear, what's it say? Clear-headed. Clear-headed. What does that mean? This is all pertinent to the helmet of salvation. Be sober, be clear-headed. What does that mean? I'm sorry? Control your faculties? What's it mean to be sober, clear-headed? I know the obvious one, not drunk. Okay. Did you know you can be drunk and not even touch a liquor or touch inebriating substances? All you have to do is just be distracted. You know they're calling distracted driving drunk? Driving, 
text message driving. They're they're calling it uh, distracted. They're calling it impaired. Why? Something else is in control of you. Be clear-headed. Be sober. Be in control of what you're focused on. Why? First Peter 5 says, Because your adversary the devil walks about as a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. And you know who the lion on the savannah always gets? The one not paying attention. The one not clear-headed. The one's not focused on what could happen. Am I making any sense? And then it tells us some interesting stuff. Put on the breastplate of faith and love. And as a helmet, and I love the way the TLV, the, the, uh, the living translation, the new living translation says it. As a helmet, what's it say, David? The confidence, confidence of our salvation. The confidence, another one that's closely the NLV, says the confident assurance. Put on the helm, helmet. The last piece of the armament that you put on, attached to truth, I am impenetrable. Devil, do what you can. God's already done what he said. And I am victorious. We're going to start a brand new series this Sunday, and the title of the series is going to be uh, you are, that we are destined to win. And the reality uh, in this, folks, is it's not a one-day thing. It's not a possibility thing. It is a done deal thing. We are the only people that entered into a battle that was won before it was started. How many are excited about that? All you got to do is show up. (laughs) Well, what's the key to showing up? Clear-minded. Sober-minded. Okay, we looked at this last week. The helmet in the picture that it it gives is literally the defender of the soul. It is the hope that gets us up when life has gotten us down. And how many know life lets us down a lot? Okay? And life might be that person sitting next to you. Life might be that place you work. Life might be those people you associate with. There's lots of stuff that if you allow to cause distracted driving, will get you down. That's why God says be sober. You're children of the day. You're children of the light. Be sober-minded. Be in control of this life. The helmet literally is the defender of the head, which for all intentional purposes is where our thoughts, our ideas, uh, everything that we have are formed. The helmet is the armor's part that is literally the defender of the soul. I'm in your notes. We're Roman number one, so uh, you all can follow along there. The helmet protects us from the dangerous and deadly impressions. Now, if you have your notes, I want you to underline that word impression. 
because it does not have to be substantial. How many ever had what they call a whim? A fleeting thought. A momentary idea. Okay, I'm talking about more than just me. Come on, folks. Help me out here. Okay, good. Thank you. I'm feeling like I'm going to have to go to the altar and repent myself right now. Just, Lord, help me. Impressions. What do you think when you think of an, an impression? Does it have to be tangible? Does it have to be, uh, you know, strong, pressing, or can it be slight? See, that's, the devil doesn't show up in this horrific creature. You know what the devil can show up sometime? Your wildest dream. Your deepest fantasy. All that sober mind we're talking about here, aren't we? The devil can show up in a host of different things. I was talking to somebody just the other day, and they, they, they were talking about some ministers of the gospel. And they say, Pastor, what's, what's the deal here? This, you know, this is what they said, and this is what the Bible says, and what's... And these are quote-unquote people of God. I'm not even going to tell you male or female. I'm just, you know, just people of God. And I told them, I quoted them out of 1 Corinthians. And it says, folks, Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Why is it such a strange thing that his ministers are transformed into ministers of righteousness? How do I know whether it's God or not? Like I said, folks, if I preach it across this pulpit and it doesn't line up with this book, guess who's wrong? I'm the one that's wrong. No, I can repent and I can say, hey, guys, I got it wrong, blah, blah, blah. And hopefully that is what would happen. Well, hopefully it wouldn't happen in the first place. But the reality of it all, ladies and gentlemen, is the Bible goes on and says, Though we or anyone else preaches another gospel than you have already heard, I'm quoting out of Galatians, he said, let that person be accursed. And then he went even stronger, Paul, as he's writing to the church of Galatia, because he's telling them, guys, how are you so easily removed from the truth? Disenchanted. Bewitched is the word he uses. And he went on and said, folks, listen, if me or an angel from God preaches a different gospel. Morona is one of them. Am I making? So we got these dangerous and deadly impressions. If you don't have truth, how can the helmet protect? Am I, am I making any sense? Okay? So the helmet defends the soldier's head from wounds that keeps... And I want you to hear this, okay? Oh, this is good. And it's in your notes, okay? He protects the soldier's head 
to keep his heart from failing. We lose the confidence of our salvation when we lose control of what is truth according to God's word. And the enemy will do everything he can do ever so slightly. Remember in the Garden of Eden? He didn't deny God's word. He didn't even challenge God's word. He just planted a seed of doubt. Is that really what God said? Which the helmet protects. Oh, this is going to be good. This is going to be good. uh, Genesis chapter 6, 5 through 6. Just before we read it, any questions so far? Any questions so far? Are are you learning something? Am Am I making sense? Okay, three people got their hands raised up. I'm making sense. Okay, that's that's good. Okay, I, I, I'm counting. David, am I make? I, I mean, uh, I'm sorry, Richard, am I making sense? Good. Okay. Genesis chapter six, five and six. Who has it? NIV. The Lord saw how great man's wickedness on the earth had become, and that every inclination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil all the time. The Lord was grieved that he had made man on the earth and his heart was filled with pain. So look what the scripture says. Every thought the man could think of, every thought he had was wicked continually. Continually. Folks, I don't know if you've noticed... I'm not a big movie goer, and that's not a, that's you know it's not a, a good or a bad thing if you're a movie goer. <laughs> My poor wife says we don't even do date date nights much because you hate movies. I just don't go to movies much because there's not a whole lot that I want to see. When I go when I go to a movie and and <laughs> don't you say anything, Bob. I know you're probably going to say something. Is I talk in movies. Especially when it's really stupid. Or I can see God being come against. And if it's, if it's too bad, I just get up and walk out. But I go to, when I go to, I'm looking for God. You know, I, almost, I find him just about every time. And if I don't, that's, that's just a waste of 10 bucks. I can find God anywhere. Do you know why? I'm in control of my faculties. I'm sober-minded. I do everything I do by God's grace to do what? To keep my focus. Because all the enemy is looking for is a little impression. A little impression. Why do you think you can go to a PG-13 movie? Because I'm on movies. And all of a sudden the movie is filled with all this blasphemous language. Oh, they don't have sex scenes, but they have nudity. Or they have some other, what's that word? Oh, impression. That all of a sudden that young impressionistic mind goes away with a picture, an image, a thought. That's why you hear me say as your pastor, watch what you watch. Listen to what you listen to. 
If it's not edifying, Philippians 4 says whatever is good and lovely and pure and honest, if there's any virtue, any praise, think on these things. He said, I am going to wipe out the earth because every thought of mankind is wicked continually. Have you looked around the world lately? Except God did it by water then. This time he says he's going to do it by fire. Oh, that day's coming. Don't know when. Don't know the day or the hour. I, I want to give you a picture of what happens to a person's mind when you allow the bombarding of the world. Now, and listen to me. We allow a lot of it. Now, I know we can't change our jobs. We can't change uh, different things. But we can walk out of things. You've all heard the story when we first started this church. I was working for one of the banks in town, and and they would have bank meetings all the time, business meetings all the time. And I was supposed to be at all of them because I was, you know, one of their their top guys. And and so, uh, you know, they'd call me over, and every once in a while I'd see a big huddle going on over there. And and, uh, I'd think, oh, gosh, I, I missed the meeting. And so I just got up, I closed my desk, locked it all up, and, and ran over there, and they all stopped talking. And they say, um, yeah, this isn't a bank meeting. You don't want to be at this one. Actually, you know, I just walked away. We can walk out of things, folks. You can walk away from things. You don't have to stay in the middle of it. There's a continual battle that the enemy is working in our thoughts, and a continual pummeling in our minds, which is why the helmet is so critical. Here's the picture. Paul Zimmerman wrote a book, and he, the book is called A Thinking Man's Guide to Pro Football. And in the book, he quotes physicists who, make, who had made rather startling discoveries. Listen to what he said. When a 240-plus pound, pound football lineman capable of running 100 yards in 11 seconds collides with a 240-plus pound running back capable of covering the same distance in about 10 seconds, the resultant kinetic energy is enough to move 66,000 pounds or 33 tons, the equivalent of one inch, just when they collide. The scientists further went on to say that in all likelihood, the collision would have delivered, which was delivered to the player's helmet, a blow that was a thousand times the force of gravity. The only thing in today's world that literally saves their lives are those helmets. So let me bring that into your life and in my life. The same thought of the pounding that we are dealt with every single day. If we don't take control of our thoughts and our reasoning each and every day, Satan will engulf our lives in spiritual warfare. Therefore, we will lose our heads and our hearts will fail. Which takes us over to Revelation chapter 24 where it says that men's hearts are failing them for fear of what's coming on the earth. We have to be able to pull ourselves out of this stuff. Am I making any sense today? I'm sorry? No, I said Matthew. Did I say Revelation? Okay, Matthew 24, sorry. 
Yeah, it's, yeah. No, no Revelation 24. Only, only 20, 22, Revelation? Yeah, yeah. Does that, does that make sense? Okay, so talk to me about this for a second. Okay, how do we get out of a situation that we shouldn't be in? Runs good. Look at our phone. I'm sorry? Look at our phone. Look at our phone? <laughs> the reflection. Okay. Somebody else, how do we get out of a situation like that? Thank you, Emil. We should think about why are we there in the first place? Now, if you walk into something and you know immediately you shouldn't be there, do you stay there and rationalize? Do you stay there and reason? Do you stay there and try to figure out, well, should I be here or should I not be here? Okay? I know that sounds so simplistic, but once again, we're talking about impressions. The devil just works impressionistically to try to plant that seed of doubt that will lure your head and ultimately conquer your heart. Am I making sense today? Okay, 2 Corinthians 10. I'm going to take and we're going to, we're going to switch gears after this passage. Who has 2 Corinthians 10? For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. And we will be ready to punish every act of disobedience once your obedience is complete. We take the, uh, the, the authority. We take the dominion. I, I've shared this statement many times. As a Christian, and we talked about this a little while ago, if we are a light in a dark place, if we are a Christian and we're living a Christian life, they're going to already know there's something different about you. You may not be one of those, those uh, blatant Christians that are out there and just, you know, every time you turn around, you're, you're saying praise the Lord or you're, you're saying something that, that really uh, brings people to, to attention of understanding, hey, this, this person's one of those Bible thumpers. But they know by virtue of what you don't do or what you won't do that there's something different about you. Are you with me? Okay. And so when I am there, I have the ability to take command of the spiritual arena that I am in. Am I making sense? I have the ability. And this is what the passage is telling us. I cast down every thought and bring it into the obedience of Christ. Folks, we know what we are to do. The sad reality is we seldom do it. I've told people for years, it's never an issue of knowing what to do. It's always an issue of doing what we know. It is a reality that you and I have to stand up. Paul knew what he was doing when he was, by the Holy Spirit, pinning this this writing in Ephesians 6, and he said, take the helmet of salvation. Take 
the helmet of salvation. That term take is literally from a passage, from a Greek word that means accept. Accept the helmet. Accept the fact that this helmet is to keep me on the path that I'm not supposed to veer from. Why? If you notice this helmet, it's got a couple sluts in the front. There's not a lot of periphery with this helmet. This helmet is very focused. And what, no matter what helmet you see out there, you will find the sides will have these big guards going down it. You will find the front will have a big plate going down the middle. It will cover just about everything up to the eye holes and possibly the cheeks. Do you know why? It's a very focused instrument. And when Paul said, take the helmet, he said, accept the fact that your life needs to be focused if it's going to be victorious. Am I making sense? You've got to keep your focus straight. You've got to keep your eyes straight. You've got to keep your thoughts straight. And when the impressions, the enemy, which the Bible calls fiery darts, when they start slinging and they're bouncing off the shield, God says, I'm doing everything to keep you protected. And I gave you a helmet that would eliminate all the other thoughts that will try to do an inside job. Because if the enemy can get to your head, it won't be long before he has your heart. I want you to think about that for a second. If the enemy can get you to be duplistic in your reasoning, the Scripture calls it a double-minded, a man of two persuasions, is what it literally means. See, that's where, that's where we have this political correct society that we live in. Well, you know, it might be okay for Tim and Loretta. Well, it's not okay for me. Well, it's not okay for God's Word, but, you know, God's Word has to evolve, you know. That's what this duplistic society says. That was for then. This is now. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. It doesn't change. And what's right for Tim and Loretta it's fine as long as it lines up with God's Word. But if it doesn't line up with God's Word, what's happened to Tim and Loretta? They don't have a helmet on anymore. They've lost focus. They've got impressions that they've been following. Am I making sense today? Anybody disagree with what I'm talking about? Go ahead. Our weapons of warfare are not carnal, but, are mighty, not carnal, but mighty for pulling down. And I used to always think those were just ideas. But tonight you're bringing in another level that maybe you could talk. It sounds like you, you're saying it's more than just biblical ideas, godly ideas, but that there might be something that's spiritual in nature as well that it is the, are the weapons of our warfare. I just was hoping to get you to talk about that for a second. I, I'm giving nothing more than God's word. When Jesus, okay, when Jesus dealt face to face with the devil, what did he use? God's word. Okay, but listen to me. It's not just a thought. 
We can't. When Jesus was dealing with the devil, did he think the devil away? Did he quietly pray the devil away? What did he do? Spoke sharply. Spoke sharply is what the connotation is. Very purposefully, very directly. Now listen, we don't play games with the devil, folks. Guess what? You have no ability to defeat the devil. Christ in you does. So when he says the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imagination and every thought, what does the passage say immediately? It goes right to the mind. It goes right to the mind. God said you got to deal with that thought. How do you deal with it? No, no, devil. God's word says, you say, Pastor, you got to speak it out loud? Well, my Bible says in Romans 10, faith comes by hearing and hearing Pastor Tim preach. That's, oh, that's not what it says? <laughs> got to watch this guy like a hawk. <laughs> faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Oh, the Word of God, yes. So if we're not speaking it, What's the devil doing with it? Okay, listen to me, folks. The devil can't read your mind. Only God can. That's why the Bible says that Jesus knew the thoughts. Okay? The devil can't read our mind. Why does the devil have so much power over your mind then? We Don't ask a question. Think about it. Okay, keep your question. But why does the devil have so much power over your mind if he can't read your thoughts? He knows my past. He knows what I what had to happen to get me to do what I did. And you know what the devil has? He has a lockjaw memory. He knows that. I talked about this several weeks ago when we were talking about the, the feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. How the devil is always, he's always going around. Be, get up here, Scott. Get up here. Hurry, hurry, come Quick, 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 quick. I know you're getting older. Just don't get slow. Okay? So so Scott here has this has this great weakness right here. And the devil just, ugh, just body slams him. Just body. And all of a sudden, he says, no, I am the righteousness of God in Jesus. And all of a sudden, you know what happens? That breastplate gets stronger. Why? What is the righteousness made of? Our relationship with Christ. He is our righteousness. We have the breastplate of righteousness. Why? He became sin. I became righteous. Why? He gave me his righteousness. Now, all of a sudden, the devil stops pummeling him. Oh, man, that's not working. But the devil knew how to get back here to this little place. And all of a sudden, he goes crumbling to his knees. All the devil did is just come in and, oh, just a little impression of what it used to be like. Oh, you remember, Jack? Daniels? What about Johnny? Walker. Yeah, we find out where all of us have come from now. How about Jim? Bean? Oh. How about Mary? Oh, my Lord. 
How do I know all those things? I've been preaching a long time, folks. But think about it. And so all of a sudden, he gets all this junk, and he says, okay, I've got this guy off focus. Oh, yeah, he's here, but I got these thoughts, and I made these impressions, and all of a sudden, this is kind of beating him down a little bit. And you know what's happening? His heart's getting weak. And he says, you know, me and Jim need to go spend some time together. Me and Jack need to go spend some time. Me and, you know, Johnny Walker needs to, you know, whatever the case is. Do you see how the enemy does that? It doesn't take much. That's why it says the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty. Carnal means of this world. Thank you. Not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down, mighty through God. Every, every ounce of victory you need is in this book. Every answer to every question you'll ever have is in this book. Oh, no, that's too old. Folks, there's nothing new under the sun. What has been will be, and what will be will yet come again. Mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imagination. And every thought that does what? Exalts itself above Christ, who is the Word of God. Making sense? Okay. You see how small the holes are? Virtually nothing can penetrate. But listen to me. It still can. If that marksman is incredible, he can take an eye out. Oh, but God says it's better to enter into eternity with one eye than both and go into hellfire. He might take a cheek. He might, he might be able to get through, depending on how, how good that is. But the question, why are you in that ease of penetration? Because you've got to be a pretty good marksman to hit that kind of stuff. Are you with me? Am I making any sense here? So when Paul said take, he literally means you have to accept this responsibility. I got to keep my focus. It speaks to our receiving from God something that He has prepared specifically for each and every individual. You had a question, David. Yeah, there's um, this other aspect of you know God's spirit building up our spirit, and as we feed on the Word of God, our spirit gets stronger, and. There is this notion that, yeah, the, the devils know the Word of God and they can say it, but it doesn't have the same kind of power. Right. And same as a child might speak the Word of God, but it doesn't have the same power that a man, a seasoned man of God would have who's, who's had his spirit built up. And I just never really understood how, I mean, it says the spirit is built up as we spend time with the Lord, as our spirit spends time in the Word with him. But could you just talk uh, hair on that? What? There. Is it on? That's actually not not, uh, true, your statement. Okay. Is this on? Is this on? Is that on? Is that on? There you go. That on? Okay. Spending time with God. In prayer, 
spending time with God in in uh, in uh, just alone time is only part of it. What do you do when you leave? I'm gonna take I'm gonna take you to to Hebrews five. Remember David? He fell with Bathsheba. Bathsheba had a child. The prophet Nathaniel came, or Nathan came to David. David repented. What did Nathan say to David about the baby? The baby will die. What did David do from that point? He spent time with God. Praying. Seeking God. He said, God might change his mind. What happened when the baby died? Immediately, what did David do? Got up, got showered, went back to work. Too many times we think, I can pray things away. Well, God, if I just spend more, if instead of spending an hour in the morning praying with you, but I spend five hours. Hebrews chapter 5 talks about this. And he said, starting with the 12th verse, the time is that you should be teachers. But you still need somebody to teach you. And then it's almost a reprimand. He said they have to teach you the elementary truths of God all over again. Because all you want is milk. Pray, God, take care of this. And then what do you do? Nothing. You go right back to doing what you were doing, living like you were living, participating like you are participating. They're not making sense. Okay. Then it goes on to say, anyone who lives on milk is still a baby. And they're not acquainted with what? The teaching of righteousness. Right living, right relationship, right life in Christ. What does it mean to be a Christian? What does the word Christian mean? I've taught it a thousand times. Christ-like. Little Christ. There's lots of little vernaculars that they'll bring in there, okay? It literally means Christ-like. Why were they first called Christians in Antioch? They were doing what Jesus did. Okay? Pastor, what happens if I'm not living like a Christian? You're not a Christian. A Christian is not a word. It is a life. Are you with me? So he says, you're not even acquainted with the teaching of righteousness. You're still a baby. But solid food is for what? The mature, the ones that realize I got to do more than just pray. I got to do more than just read God's word. I got to do more than just go to church. He said, who, listen to what the scripture says, by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good and evil in control of their faculties, sober-minded, 
Does that make sense? Does that answer the question? Yes? No? A lot of us, we just think, well, if I go to church, everything's going to be fine. That's not what the Word of God says. Yes, you need to go to church. I get so irritated. I read, you know, I watch Facebook. We got a few thousand folks, people that have come to church, people that aren't in church, people that know church better than anybody else, and they tell you all the answers about church and why church is so messed up, yet they don't want to be part of the solution. They just want to talk about the problem. Folks, the church is messed up. That's why there is a church. It is a hospital for a bunch of messed up folks. Don't look at me like that. Yes, you are one. And I, I am too. The only perfect, folks, the only perfect church hung at Calvary. Every other one is messed up. But Jesus is turning our mess into a message. Our troubles into triumphs. Our victim mentality into victorious Christian living. You have to do something about this life. Did you all write those scriptures down, Hebrews 5? Okay. So the weapons of our warfare are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imagination. Paul said, you've got to take the helmet. Accept the helmet. This is the picture of salvation. For all we can do is accept what God has given. The battle ensues as we must hold on to what? The hope of our salvation. What is that hope? The confident assurance that He has done and all we do is live what He has done. Am I making sense? Okay, I got to take you. Uh, we're not going to get to all the other scriptures, but I got other ones that I want to give you tonight that I want to help us understand. Just like we found out, the shield. Is the shield a what or a who? who? It's a who. The Bible says God is our shield. The big shield and the little shield. I, I, I'm, I'm just going to read these passages to you just for sake of time. Yeah. Isaiah chapter 59. You can write, please write these down because they're not in your notes. Isaiah 59, 16 and 17. God is, God is pretty irritated with what mankind's doing. Much like, much like uh, uh, back in Noah's day, much like many different times. And God begins to speak forth about what is going on. In Isaiah 59, 16, he says, And he saw that there was no man and wondered that there was no intercessor. God is looking, you know, he's using the prophet Isaiah and he's going out on the highways and the byways. And who the heck is standing for righteousness? Who is standing up for my word and my name? Nobody. And he said, therefore, my arm brought salvation and righteousness. My mighty arm. And he put on righteousness as a breastplate and a helmet of salvation upon his head. Are you with me? Let me take you over to Romans 3, 22. 
This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. Every single one of us that believe, God makes righteous. 2 Corinthians 5.21, he tells us that God made him, Jesus, to become sin for us that we could become the righteousness of God in Christ. We're talking about a helmet here. And the helmet is a lot more than you think. 1 Thessalonians 5.8, we read it just a little while ago. Since we are here, we are of the day, let us be sober. Put on the breastplate of faith and love. And as a helmet, the hope of salvation. I got more scriptures, so please write them down. Psalm 140, verse 7. O God, the Lord, the strength of my salvation, you have covered my head in the day of battle. What is the common denominator of just those three or four scriptures, five scriptures? The helmet is called salvation. The helmet is called hope. The helmet is called righteousness. Is the helmet a what or a who? What is the Hebrew word for salvation? Yeshua. Jesus becomes our focus. And he said, I don't care what kind of thoughts the devil puts in your head. I will deal with them if you'll just take them captive. If you cast them down, I'll lift you up. Mm, mm, mm. Now, let me go on and further. Colossians 1, 18. What is Jesus called? The head of the church. 1 Corinthians 2, 16. Who has known the mind of the Lord that we may instruct him? But we have what? The mind of the of Christ. Philippians 2, 5. Let this mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus our Lord. He thought being equal with God was not, not a big thing because he was God. But he humbled himself, took on the form of a servant. Pastor, you don't understand what I'm going through. Yes, you're going through the same thing every servant in the world goes through. We're all servants. Let this mind be in you. 1 Peter 4, 1. Therefore, since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same mind. Am I making any sense today? 2 Corinthians 10. We, we, talk, we talked about that. It says, we destroy arguments and every proud obstacle raised against the knowledge of God and bring it into every thought captive to obey Christ. In Ephesians 4, 14 through 16, the Bible says, grow up in all things into him who is the head of the whole body. 
and back to 1 Thessalonians, we wear our helmet. And what is our helmet? The confident assurance of our salvation. When you and I walk in the helmet of our salvation, we have accepted Christ and we're walking in him. Many of the weapons that Satan uses against you and I are forged simply in the furnace of rebellion. I want you to hear this, please. I, I left you in notes because I, I wanted you to grab it. They are, they are forged in the furnace of rebellion and nurtured in the bellows of discontent. It's not them. And it's not him. It's the person sitting in our chair. And all Satan did was, got, was enabled to get an impression planted in our minds because we lost focus by not having the helmet. The covering. He is our covering. Discontent, ladies and gentlemen, comes mostly because we have perceived that if God is to keep us from sin, that means he must keep us from suffering. This is why many won't respond to the call of the gospel. They don't want to suffer. But it's like Moses. He chose rather to suffer the affliction of his people for a season than all of eternity without God. We have a real devil that we really battle. And the enemy is working every bit of his ability. You see, the armor is designed to protect us through and in the suffering. It is never designed to keep us from it. Now, this isn't popular preaching, folks. But we live in a world that people are struggling. Christians what was it, 85 just annihilated again over Nigeria? There is more Christian martyrdom in the world today than there ever has been since the beginning of time. But they don't report on it. But yet we blow a stinking missile into Palestine. Or the Palestinians, there is no Palestine, but, you know, you, 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 you do so. I mean, everybody, oh! I, I, I love the cartoons. You got 5,000 missiles fired into Israel. Yeah, we're not politically correct here, okay? Okay. And not a word is said. One missile in retaliation goes back into Gaza. Israel attacked, attacked Gaza today. Huh? Folks, discontent is because we're suffering. We're dealing with stuff. And it's not going to change. And until we decide to get our focus back, we're not going to understand why we're suffering, why we deal with stuff. This is called life. It is called life. 
And aren't you glad that Jesus took the price and paid it? That we could live, live through it? So let's, let's talk about this. Do we have a helmet on? When you're going through something, do you keep your focus or do you give in to what's happening? Well, if we're honest, we say both. Folks, I've given in. But I've stood up. Well, you say, Pastor, what happens when you give in? I usually don't last very long. I get up pretty quick. See, too many times, you know, the pulpit won't, won't, won't preach what I'm preaching, won't teach what I'm teaching. It's God's Word. And then we wonder why Christians are falling away like flies. Why is Matthew 24 coming to pass? Because iniquity abounds in the church. The love of many in the church is getting colder and colder. Do you know the church attendance is on a downhill slide? There are some denominations that are almost extinct because we get this idea that Christianity is going to be a bed of roses. Now, I, I'm not really saying that it's not a bed of roses, but have you ever looked at a bed of roses? A lot of thorns, lot of thorns in that bed. And if you're not grab, careful where you're grabbing, you're going to get them right through your hand. Well, he got them right through his head, and he wasn't reaching for them. So in this scenario, this helmet, the, 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 the furnace of deception is heated by the bellows of discontent. And if we don't grab a hold and start focusing and saying, Jesus, you are my head. You are my covering. You are my helmet. You are my righteousness. You are my hope. You are my salvation. And say, God, yeah, I'm dealing with this stuff, but I'm going through it. I'm not living in it. I'm rising above it. I'm not laying under it. That's what everybody around you needs to hear. Well, pastor, you know, when, you know, is it worth it? When's it all going to change? When you go home. Folks, I'm not trying to make it sound like doom and gloom, but I'm trying to help us understand why is it so critically important that we wear the armor of God? Exactly. <laughs> and you know what Jesus said? He said, don't fear the one that can kill your body. That's not the one you need to be afraid of. Because none of us, folks, all of us want to go to heaven. Nobody wants to die. I'm actually looking forward to dying. The sooner I go home, the better I like it. You know, if that was God's plan, I'm, I'm here as long as I want. My wife always hates it when I say that. You know, but the reality is I'm ready to go home. I'd like to go home. But I think Paul, you know, the apostle said this to the people that are around. He says, you know, to be absent from the body, be present with the Lord. You know, I think I'd rather be there, but it's needful for you that I stay here. 
And folks, I, you know, I love this church. I love all y'all. I like it here. <laughs> Hope y'all like me. But the reality is, you know, the only way that I know that we're going to get through all that we're going to get through is because we know what we need to know to get through it. And the armor is not, it's not just something we put on just to look good. I prayed, I prayed in glistening. Folks, if God showed us our armor, Christians, true Christians, it would be dented and sliced and diced and beaten. I don't think there'd be a shiny piece on it. But the day we stand before him, it'd be just like that last scene in Star Wars back in the 70s. Remember, they were all polished up. Everybody was shining and glimmering because God says, that's my kids. That's my kids.